0: This is Ronald Dorsey of the One Bottle at a Time podcast. Join us as we discuss uh, various issues and uh, various subjects with our engaging guest over a nice bottle of wine. I'm sure you'll uh, enjoy it. Today, we have uh, Mr. Uh, Mike Griot and Mr. Nicola Stimmer. Uh, They're both uh, musicians, producers, and audio engineers, and we'll discuss the changes in uh, modern recording technology. From tape to digital, please join us.
1: But the talent which uses and, and drives those technologies is really uh, the force behind whether it resonates with people. Whatever the final, you know, mix comes out to be. Now, that being said, there there are shorter ways to get the same results and quicker ways to get the same results that you used to have to work an entire eight hour session to achieve back in 19 whatever but I also believe that you can use those eight hours in a way where you've maybe made a contribution for the first hour and you really have just fucked up the tune for seven hours after that <laughs> it happens all the time
0: okay we're at the uh, one bottle at a time podcast and wow. today we're enjoying uh the irie vineyards 2015, Pinoa, from the Willamette Valley of uh, Oregon in the great northwest of the United States. And uh, today, we're going to be speaking with uh, two uh, wonderful uh, musicians, uh, producers, and also uh, audio engineers. We're at the uh, Nine Live studio located in uh, Jersey City, New Jersey, uh, owned uh, by the engineer, Mr. Nicola Stimmer, Mm -hmm. who is one of our guests. And also we're with uh, Mr. Mike Grillo, uh who is a uh, producer. And uh, just to uh, give a little uh, thanks to the both of them, we uh, recently completed a single that I did uh, called uh, Cost Me a Bottle of Jack. And we're hoping that uh, it's something that uh, gets a good reception from the uh, public at large and and grabs some, of some feet of his own and, and moves along. So uh, once again, this is Ronald Dorsey, and today this is the one bottle at a time podcast so we're going to be begin with uh, uh, Mike Creo and uh, hear a little bit about uh, about what he's uh, been doing recently uh, other than working on my project and uh, we'll, we'll start it there so Mike a little little bit about uh, what you're doing recently
1: well you know first of all thanks Ron for having me and um, uh, there's no better time i could spend than talking about music and eating and drinking at the same time <laughs> so this is probably as good as it gets ladies and gentlemen uh so yeah it has been it's been, a, it's been a, a really busy time uh recently uh i i have an annual festival annual blues festival which is every uh every september up in um south mountain reservation in um in, in the county of essex here in jersey and it's going into its 10th year, so there's a lot of work going on right now for the 10th Anniversary Festival, so I'm, I'm busy with that. Uh, I also own a, uh, a venue, which is called uh, Spaces at Hat City, formerly Hat City Kitchen, over in Orange, New Jersey, and um, trying to grow that business. Uh, and then uh, w- one thing you didn't mention that Nicola and I, my, my, my colleague Nicola and I have in common, is that among... Our, our respective professions were both bass players.
0: Okay, mm. cool.
1: And so uh, I got to give a big shout out to my buddy right here, fellow bass bro. Thank you, bro. Or as they say now, bass bra. Bass bra. <laughs> bass bra. Uh, Nicola Stemmer and um, yeah. Thanks for the snacks, dude. I mean, the, the capicola is, is just crazy. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna pig out in a minute while you're while you're talking. <laughs>
0: well, you know, the more wine you drink, the more you. Uh, the first year, so, yeah, yeah and, so,
1: and the better you look,
2: right? Remember that. One? <laughs> well, I don't want to look too good to you. Hey, easy, easy. Yeah, don't, let me, don't let me, don't let me get too pretty to you. Well, you thinking? The path change should be fine.
0: <laughs> well, you know what? If, after finishing some of this, I may swim across the Hudson. <laughs> okay, that's right. <laughs> By the way, it's wonderful. Huh? Right, cool. Mm-hmm. So wonderful, yeah. Mm. So, Mike, you you were talking about uh, your, your festival.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah comes it comes
0: up pretty, pretty soon. And you mentioned it's going to be at the uh, Southmount Reservation.
3: Yeah. It's which south, is in, uh, it's in West uh, Orange. West Orange, New Jersey. Okay.
1: Right. okay. And it's a beautiful uh, park-like setting. It's free. Okay. It's co-sponsored by the County of Essex and... Uh, Essence County Executive Joe DiVincenzo. Okay. Uh, Joe, if you're
0: listening, see, I did it. I plugged you, bro. <laughs> okay.
3: All right. Man. So
0: so yep. now while you're mentioning that, you know, so, I mean, we'll talk about it at the end of the mm-hmm. podcast, but we'll get, let's get in and now. Just You can give the audience a a, uh, a website or link where they sure, can reach sure. to get information about that.
1: Sure. Uh, the festival this year is Sunday, September 8th, and you can go to southmountainblues.com and you'll see a bunch of pictures from past festivals. And a couple of videos of some great performers, and uh, it'll be a great time. Just pray for good weather.
2: Michael Hill will be playing.
1: Michael Hill will probably be there playing as well. Okay. Yeah, one of our good one of our good musical buddies.
0: Okay. All right. So now Nicola, Mr. Nicola Stemmer, uh, yes, he's a sir. bass player, a producer, <clears throat> and uh, he also engineered the uh, the Cost Me a Bottle Jack project right. uh, that that I just completed. Uh, uh, thank you so very much for that. So as, I, as I also uh, as I asked Mike, wanted to find out from you, uh, what are some things that you're
2: currently working on? Uh. Um, at the moment, the, the, the most important thing I'm doing is a benefit city for an organization called Family of Woodstock. They're based in actually Kingston, New York, but they're in Woodstock, in Kingston, in New Paltz and Allenville. And they help um, homeless families all over the Hudson Valley's. They're also concentrating more now in kids at risk. There's a lot of meth in the Hudson Valley, wow. a lot of prostitution, a lot of traffic, human trafficking. Mm. So they're helping those kids, you know, get back into uh, regular life. So mm. I, I just got a little place up there. And I figured, let me introduce myself into the area. Mm. So I thought about this city. I do a good thing, and, and on the same time, you know, I'm meeting all those people. Uh, the city will be distributed in 70 different restaurants in the Hudson Valley. Also, I just found out, which is incredible, Family of Woodstock would be the rescue unit for Woodstock 50,
3: mm.
2: which means they're expecting 100,000 people at the stand in the middle of Woodstock. <laughs> so I think we're going to sell up nice. two or three CDs that day. <laughs> so that's the idea. and uh, that's So the project came out wonderful. There's a great musician on it. Uh, Jerry Marotta is on it. Tony Levin is on it. Mm. Uh, Natalie Merchant will be on it. I have lots of poets. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful project. Mm, and cool. uh, I also a lot of local musicians and uh, Local artist. Um my daughter shot the cover. It's a wonderful cover. I'll let children with their hands, it's beautiful. And um uh, yeah, I'm, this is my really what makes me vibe more than anything oh, wonderful, else. Wonderful. Yeah. So Nicola, uh,
0: you know, obviously from your accent, we can tell uh to me you, you accent uh, you, I hear I hear European accent, that's what right. I hear. So if you can uh give us a little bit about uh, your journey, uh to the United States and, and, and uh, your musical adventures of, in that journey, you know, up to mm-hmm. now, if you can kind
2: of um, encapsulate that. I came us. in September 4th, 1980. Uh, Carter was still president for two months. Jim <laughs> <laughs> <Get> up. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> My man. I love Carter. <laughs> right. And um, I had a friend called Alex Bunion, he's a, he's a known jazz pianist in America, and he's yeah. from Switzerland. I was in Switzerland. I grew up in Switzerland. I'm sorry. Okay. In Montreux, where the Montreux Jazz Festival is. Wow! wow. And um, Alex was already in in Boston since 1977, I believe. And he kept writing me letters. You got to come. You got to come because we grew up together. You know, mm. my parents were best friends, and we grew up. So originally, I wanted to become a violin maker and go to uh, to learn how to build violin in Italy. You know. Mm. Uh, but anyway, so I came to Berkeley in 1980. Uh, did Berkeley for four years. So
0: now, when you say Berkeley, you mean Berkeley College of Music? College of Music in Boston. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh-huh. So, so obviously, you
2: know, everybody knows about Berkeley, California. Right. 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 No, no, this is is Berkeley but College of is Music.
0: Okay. Okay. So, we just wanted to clarify. Uh, that. Yeah. For sure. The okay. At a
2: time where the school was still heavy, you know, there was uh, everybody was in the school at that time. Okay. Mike Stern was there. Uh, Victor Bailey, uh, Bradford Marsalis. I mean, mm-hmm. the school. Uh, Jeff Watts. I mean, Donald Harrison. Everybody was on that that stretch of an eighty to eighty four was a very heavy. Heavy time. Wow. And I, was much, I wasn't much of a jazz dude at all. So I was kind of looking up, not looking down. I was looking <laughs> right. up. And uh, that was wonderful to be surrounded by such talent. you know. So mm. these were very good years. And um, after this, I moved to New York. I followed another friend of mine. and said, you got to go to New York. And uh, lived in New York four years. And I moved to Jersey, opened a couple of studios. And here I am. OK.
0: So yeah. now, now uh, w- was this location your first studio in New Jersey? Or was no. it another place you My had? first
2: studio was in my house. Okay. And uh, obviously, after two or three years, I ran out of space. You know, it was just not real. There was no real library. I mean, I did good records there. No, I did actually the record that you got to check out. Oh, yeah? You heard of David Yazbek? Mm hmm. Did the Band Visit, right? It's a good friend of mine. I produced two records for me, but one of them was done in my bedroom.
3: Wow. it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, amazing.
2: Okay. He just got all his Grammys and stuff now. And what's but, the name uh, of that record? What's the name of it again? Tuck from David Yazbek. Okay. I got to hear that. Yeah, okay. you got to hear the, the record is right. fantastic. We have, what's his name? From uh, uh, XTC. Um, the guitar player of XTC, whatever his name is, I can remember on it. Yeah. A lot of good people. It was done like... We didn't have great reverb, so actually I had the horn player playing on the staircase because it's, it's a brownstone downstairs <laughs> to get the natural reverb. And oh, the man. record is great, man. It's it's really so organic, wow. you know. And, and it was in your house, didn't it? I house? had the Studer. The wow. twenty-four track was there. I don't know how we brought this thing upstairs, but we did. Wow, wow. this Studer came from Roy C. Keller, they used to own the record plant, mm. and that's the Studer that uh, Bone to Run was mixed on, mm. uh, the last machine Lennon worked with. Uh, you know, it's got a lot of history.
0: So okay, yeah. so now uh, here at Nine's Lot, li- Nine Lives. Mm which is uh, in an in, in, uh, in, in uh, old industrial building, yeah. uh, one of the things that I, I really enjoyed about the project that we just completed for the uh, Cost Me a Bottle of Jack is that it's a purpose-built facility. The whole facility is, is, is built around recording music, the space, the acoustics, the equipment, everything. And uh, in this era of, of uh, advanced technology where so, so much work is being done on a laptop, or, or, in people's homes, and uh, the whole production, you know, from beginning to end. I really appreciated having the, uh, the, uh, the, the wherewithal to come into a place where you know I have a uh, producer like Mike and, a, and an engineer like yourself, and, and the band that we work with to sure. get the sound, we, to the sound that we, to sound to the band, right, 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 and to get the sound that we we were able to get. And that was really wonderful, especially considering you know the economy of, of the of uh, the New York metropolitan region and where so many uh, purpose bi- purpose-built facilities are closing. Sure. I mean, there, there are fewer and fewer of them that are out here. so uh, obviously with the technology, there's more music than than ever before. Right. but the quality because of the balkanization of the industry as a whole, because of the technology, to me the quality suffers. A bit, you know, right. even though there are more recorded, more recordings, there are less in the number of quality recordings. So I was really happy that I was able to come to a place like this, you know, to, to uh, well, get. Thank you for coming. Right, right. To, to the to big thing about right. to
2: answer what you just said right now is yes, the facility is great. It's a good room, good acoustic, good gear. But really, you can't, if you don't have a great band, <laughs> you're not going to go anywhere. Right, right. So it's still start. Mm. I mean, I work with great musicians, I work with average musicians, I work with a lot of lame musicians. It really starts with that. Mm. I could have a room three times smaller with a great man. It would have been kick-ass, you know. Right. So that's really, on top of it, we have a great room. Right. The acoustic is great, you know. So at the
0: end of the day, it begins with the with the music, oh, the song, yeah. and the musicians absolutely. Absolutely. at the end of the day. Absolutely, So So, uh, you know, and that's one of the things that I, I want to get to later in terms of the, what the technology does. So uh, getting back to Mike, you know, in terms of your uh, your musical journey, Mm-hmm. we wanted to talk a little bit about where your musical journey began in terms of being a musician, learning an instrument, learning to play, to where we are today, where you, where you uh, you know, not only are you producing records and also performing live, but also producing your own festivals. <laughs> you know, it's funny. So, <laughs> so give give us a little bit of that.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny because whenever I do an interview, I always think about uh, uh, Frankie Ajay, who was a comedian, a black comedian back in the uh, 70s, and he, he would always start out the interview by saying, I was born to a predominantly black family. <laughs> so I hope you guys just enjoyed that one. But anyway, um, <laughs> my journey uh, began uh, as a classical cellist. So I started playing uh, classical cello when I was seven. And uh, <clears throat> as a matter of fact, in my, uh, that was in Bloomfield, New Jersey at the time. And I rem- distinctly remember coming home and having a permission slip and showing my mother that my elementary school, which had not offered music before then, was starting a music program. And they offered three instruments, uh, violin, cello, and uh, acoustic bass. Mm. And so I came home and, and I didn't know what I was interested in, but I, somehow I knew this cool thing was happening and I wanted to be part of it. So she signed a permission slip and for some reason there was a, like a delay I don't know whether it was me like <laughs> playing baseball an extra day and not paying attention or whatever. But by the time I got back to the music room one, one afternoon uh, I ran in with my permission slip and, and there were some kids in there with instruments and I asked to play um, an instrument and they said, okay, uh, you're late and we don't have anything left.
3: Yeah.
1: And f- even though I hadn't started playing it, I was gutted. I was like, You know, because I stood in this music room and there were these things and I was like, you know, I want to do anything in here. And so at that moment, as fate would have it, one little girl was bringing back uh, a uh, a cello. Uh, But for some reason, the music teacher didn't show me that right away. So she said, oh, I do have one violin left. And so she showed me how to hold it and went behind me and I held the bow and I started (laughs) to go back and forth and it was the most awful sound i'd ever heard <laughs> in my life it was squeaky and of course i sucked so it was like yee, yee. oh it was just and i remember thinking to myself this this sound is not pleasing to me there's no way i could see myself playing this instrument and so i put it down and the little girl's cello was, which, which, has, which has just been returned was sitting in the corner and i said to the music teacher what about that and she said well this is called a cello She showed me how to hold it. She put it between my legs. She sat me down. I held the bow, and I did an open uh, bow stroke on the cello. And I think it was the vibration of that sound through me as Mm -hmm. I attempted to play it, and I I remember just exhaling Mm -hmm. and being like, oh, now that's the way I'm supposed to, that's the way I like feeling. Still wasn't making music, Mm -hmm. But that was my initial exposure to the cello is that it just seemed like mm. it was a more um, sonically pleasing instrument. So
0: your initial experience as a musician, as a young, as a young child, was, was having that resonance, that vibration of the frequency it of was, the string right. resonate right. And, and you could it, feel right. it in it
1: your body. It was more of a sonic right. experience wow. than it was a musical experience. Wow.
0: Producer... I don't know what compression is, but but the the writer did a good job of explaining that what happens is when you listen to today's music, for the most part, what you hear is you don't hear individual instruments so much as you hear a sound, Mm -hmm. you know, a big wall of sound coming at you. You know, you hear, uh, you know, the, the, the sound of the bass player, the sound of the drummer, the sound of the guitar player, the sound of the singer. The sound of the synthesizer, it's all at the same level. You know, it's all being thrown at you. You know, and uh, you know, we can we can kind of uh compare that to if we go back to a sound of a of a song of a song that I like like called uh uh, uh Children of the Ghetto. Right? Um Great Tune. Right, Chosen to the Ghetto. Uh, and that was um, Phil Collins and uh, Phil Bailey, you know, did a tune. I think that was in the uh, early 80s. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you yeah, know. That, that's you
1: back, back when they did uh, Easy Lover.
0: Right, right. Easy Lover was the, was, was on it was that a album, hit right. That point. Yeah. Right, right. But, you know, at that point, you could hear, you know, uh, you could hear. The, the instruments distinctively. You could hear the piano, and that's a tune that has a great piano song on it. You can hear the drums. You can hear Phil, Phil's, Phil's uh, uh, drums on it. You can hear the percussion very clearly. And uh, another song, The World is a Ghetto, going back a little bit more, by the group uh, War. Once again, you can hear the, dis- the instrumentation distinctively you know, and and I guess in that era, one of the things that you also heard on recordings was each kind of like in jazz, each individual uh, instrumentalist took a solo. You know, they took a solo. You know, in in the in the in the concept of the group, and you could hear it clearly,
3: mm-hmm.
0: and the music was very very wonderful. You know, so I like to call that music cheeseburger music, <laughs> right? So you know that was a cheeseburger your mom made at home, or the cheeseburger you you know you bought at the, you know the local greasy spoon joint. You know it was a, it was a, it was a burger. It was the the bun. It was the cheese, the pickles, the lettuce, the tomato.
1: And it was very satisfying.
0: Right. It was very satisfying. Right. And when you took a bite, you could distinguish how good those flavors were. Right. Right. From those individual ingredients. So now, if you bought the cheeseburger at the Greasy Spoon on Main and Vine, right? Or if you bought the cheeseburger uh, at the Greasy Spoon at Main and Maple, you knew it was a cheeseburger. You know, they tasted a little different, but you know it was a cheeseburger. So now we want to fast forward to today, the way that kind of the writer of the article talked about he called today's music a Twinkie,
1: <laughs> as opposed to a cheeseburger.
0: As opposed to a cheeseburger. So now a Twinkie. Oh my God, a Twinkie tastes good. Right, I can eat a whole bunch of Twinkies. But what is a Twinkie made of? I can't read the ingredients on it. I don't that. think
1: no one
2: actually really knows. You might not want to know. <laughs> okay,
0: but 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 you know, so so that you know, kind of that's kind of what he used. He, he he compared the yesterday's music to a, to a cheeseburger. Today's music to a Twinkie. With, Right with the, with the high level of compression, you know, digital compression. He compared that to a Twinkie. It tastes good, but what is it made of? And can I break it down? Can I can I mm-hmm. you know can I deconstruct it? Mm-hmm. No, you can't. You hmm. you can't you can't you can't you can't deconstruct or or reverse engineer a Twinkie.
1: That's that's an interesting metaphor. Right? right, right. You know, so
0: what I wanted to to, to, to ask you gentlemen to clarify. You know, and, and I'll begin. I'll begin with uh, with Mike. Is you know today's music, you know, a lot of what we hear on the radio compared to maybe yesterday's music. You know, with the high compression and you know, since you guys are audio engineers, you know, uh, with the technology that we have, that that kind of uses all of this, all of this stuff to uh, make the Twinkie. <laughs> As opposed to the the, the cheeseburger, you know, I, I just wanted to get your take on 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 the on the cheeseburger, you know, versus the Twinkie. Well, first, of all, first, <laughs> of musically speaking. First of all, I'm fucking starving right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I thought you was enjoying the prosciutto. The, the, prosciutto and the and the Nicole, you got any Twinkies around? <laughs> no,
2: no, no, I don't do Twinkies. So, so to so help me out
0: with that, you know, from from you know from uh, from a production and an engineering standpoint, yeah. how do we get how how did we get from the cheeseburger that you could buy anywhere and it and it was and you know it was a cheeseburger to today's twinkie musically speaking well uh,
1: there are so many answers to that question i'll pick one so so this is just a suggestion too or um, or observation i think that the twinkie was a direct result of the technology
2: mm. yes
1: and the cheeseburger was a direct result of the technology at the time so I think, for example, you had so many years pre-technology of people enjoying cheeseburgers, meaning accepting the process around making music, which intrinsically involved musicians, intrinsically involved their contribution as individuals, intrinsically involved the assumption that their contributions would actually make sense as an ensemble, Intrinsically assuming that that ensemble would wind up in a tape medium that would sound a certain way. Mm. Intrinsically involving the idea that an engineer would be inspired by the musicians, the ensemble, and the process, and eventually contribute to making a record. So everything I just described, using the word intrinsically far too much.
2: <laughs> I like intrinsically. I did know what that word is. Yeah, yeah, write it down. Thank
1: you. So... It's not a Swiss word, incidentally.
2: It's not. <laughs> cotier maybe. I don't know. It's, not, know, Swiss. To... <laughs> it's
3: not Swiss.
1: <laughs> if it were Swiss, it would start with S, V, and another <laughs> another French. consonant that uh, I can't pronounce. Yeah, okay. But anyway. It's not a, a Swiss, but it's on time. And an umlaut. You got to have an umlaut in there somewhere. French
2: speaking. <laughs> we don't have umlaut. That's <laughs> a German word. Okay, okay. <laughs> I
1: digress. So, I think that the quote-unquote cheeseburger you're referring to, actually, people didn't know it at the time and for all those years pre-technology they were worshiping the ingredients of the cheeseburger not the cheeseburger itself because they had a sort of a latent appreciation for god damn it that pickle is tasty god damn it that's a special kind of ketchup god damn it that that meat is fresh those are the musicians and all the people involved in making that music and they had an appreciation for every single ingredient in the cheeseburger. Now let's fast forward to the Twinkie, even though I think that's a wild metaphor. But <laughs> uh, the Twinkie, based upon what I just described, if you look at it as a Twinkie, then you, by implication, you're almost saying that the audience is more concerned about the final product than the ingredients that went into it.
3: Mm.
1: So maybe the music today is a Twinkie because of the relative ADD that the listening audience has based upon the advent
0: of technology. Mm-hmm.
1: So there's, there's my take on it.
0: Okay. So you, so, so, so if I, I can't can follow that, man, <laughs> but, but I mean, so, so if I can, if I can, I guess rephrase what you're saying is, is, is today's audience with the technology of constantly being distracted, constantly, you know, uh, being in contact, being in communication, you know, you think that's part of that, that falls into also what they listen to. Also they don't give they a hit.
1: shit how anything happens. Mm. They just want it to happen. They just want it to happen. Okay. Okay. That's it.
0: That's what I would have That's said. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. To, to, to break it down. Right. 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 <laughs> they don't so give so a shit. now the fact that music, you know, or the music or the sounds, because, I, you know, for me, a lot of what we hear today, I don't, for me personally, I don't call it music. I'll say sounds. You know that's my you know personally you know my opinion because of, because of technology because if you have a laptop, you can you can create sounds you can shape sounds. True. I mean, I mean, I, as an individual, you know. Now right, getting right. back to the to the cheeseburger, you know, if you tune your piano or your bass to A four forty standard,
3: mm-hmm.
0: right? That sound is consistent so if someone hears a recording using that particular tuning and instrumentation they can right away they can imitate it depending on their level of you know of what you know, how they hear music or mm-hmm. even even if they're not professional right they can listen to someone play the piano or the guitar or a bass or a trumpet a b flat trumpet you know and they can imitate that they can imitate a b flat trumpet on their piano they can imitate a a uh, guitar on a the piano, they can imitate a piano on a guitar, and and ultimately that that perfect instrument that I like to call I call which I call a perfect instrument is the human voice, which is very distinct. So we can look at like Phyllis Hyman, uh, Roberta Flack, uh, Nita Baker, um, you know Mariah Carey who who Nicola talked about. Those are you. Those are just, <laughs> those are distinct. You're pissing him off. Right, right. <laughs> those are those are distinct instruments, right? Mm-hmm. right? Those are distinct instruments. But Mariah Carey can imitate a piano. A piano can imitate Mariah Carey. As as musicians, right? Mm-hmm. So now today we can fast forward to a teenager. With a laptop, using uh, a uh, music program like uh, uh, Ableton, Ableton, you know something like that, and basically he can create he can create sounds, and those sounds can't be imitated by a piano, by a guitar, by a bass, by a B flat trumpet. Those sounds can't be imitated. Well, you know, so so th- so so you know that to me that that kind of feeds into you know that feeds into the uh twinkie metaphor right so so now if we fast forward to like a lot of hip hop things that we hear that use that type of sound that type of production as opposed to when Stevie Wonder made you are the sunshine of my life right that song maybe we don't know how many hundreds of people have done their own version of that song right because they heard it as a cheeseburger. And now I can make that cheeseburger. versus hip hop, right? Which uses these bespoke sounds that are created. Understood? Right? So that is something that's more difficult to to reproduce. So maybe that's why you don't hear a remake of something by Jay-Z or a remake by some of something by a uh, you know uh, Drake or somebody. No, like you're that. right. And, and as matter, the
1: irony is that you're more likely to hear a a, a a an acoustic remix of those tunes as opposed to a remake. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and, I, I, and you're actually right on, on one of the idea that the Twinkie is a manipulation of soundscapes. Okay. The cheeseburger is a manipulation of melodic and uh, rhythmic elements generated by instruments. Okay. And that's that's the divide. Okay. And divide it happened, by, with and the it also t- by people. And also right. by people, right? So, by yeah. So the now here, now you just made me think of something else. I'm, while I'm drinking this wonderful wine, this right. wine, the Irie the, the Irie Vineyard, this wine, 2015 is, 2015. is actually more right. important than anything we're talking about today. <laughs> okay. Is that an alcoholic statement? Okay. I don't, now, I don't, it's, it's no, it's just thing. the it's truth, 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 right? I think it's so, an alcoholic statement. Yeah, okay. So. Well, I still love you. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know,
0: the idea... You, you is, can get an Uber home, so don't worry. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I'll leave my car out in the yeah. alley where, and they, steal
1: it where the night. gangs can get to it, right? Exactly.
3: <laughs> so I'm not a gang. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know.
1: <laughs> I do think, though, that, you know, I spent some time teaching as an adjunct on a collegiate level, and one of the things that uh, that I noticed... Is the way the older generations, and I guess consider myself one of those, uh, are are especially punitive to the young music makers because of what they don't appreciate or they don't have access to. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to flip this on its back. Okay, having been around some very talented young people, mm-hmm. and you know, you have to, you know, if if you care about young music makers, you have to meet them where they are. That's that's step number one. You can't take them all the way back to bring them forward. That's a misnomer. You actually have to, if you're interested interested in educating them and broadening their experience, you have to meet them where they are, which is step one. So I tried to meet them where they were, and where they were in most cases were coming out of the crate, coming out of the sonic experience you're talking about, Mm -hmm. coming from the Twinkie, right?
0: From the Twinkie? Coming from the Twinkie. Okay, so so the Twinkie came out of the crate, in a sense, because because their Twinkie or the the Twinkie or the the crate was used to make the Twinkie.
1: Well, well, what I'm saying is that from their standpoint, the Twinkie is any sound that they can readily access. But those were were, were the ingredients by any means, right? Those were their ingredients to to their Twinkie. Twinkie. Okay, right. right. But that doesn't involve teaching them something that they can't possibly learn quickly. Hmm. That involves them being inspired by something that they can possibly be musically educated about retroactively later on. So for example, it's very common for a rapper or a hip hop producer to grab an element, to grab a sonic Twinkie in a sense, quote unquote, to make it beautiful in their own opinion. And then they go back and research the genesis of that sound. Mm. So they reverse engineer their own experience in a way that we didn't because we had access to the first generation of those elements. We could go straight to the instrument. We could identify the bass from the clarinet, from the drums, from the, and even get into the, get granular and get into the, like, the actual kick sound. These kids don't give a shit about the kick sound. You know why? Because in their software, there are hundreds of, of kick sounds, mm. all compressed, all ready to be used in their recordings. Guys like me and Nicola, he will tell you. I don't. Even, I don't even know him. I don't know his history in the studio, but I guarantee you, like me, there were days where we spent three to four hours working on a kick sound, sure, just because we could, mm. and because the pursuit was sonically manipulate this element, this this analog element. To the point where it has a certain personality. Now all that's in a box. Mm. Doesn't make it better what we did. It just it's 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 a it's a it's a function of the technology.
0: Mm. So the technology makes it accessible. Absolutely. Okay. So so Nicola, we're gonna throw the throw the we're we're gonna throw the Twinkie to you. You So 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 now as the engineer on on this project that I did. Give me your take on the, the the metaphor that we just used, or or the comparison yeah. of the cheeseburger versus the Twinkie. What, what, what's your what's back your a take bit on it? in
2: history on this first? Mm. <laughs> first I worked with different uh, generation of rappers. I worked with Brick City, 1989, 1990 rap scene, which was tremendous. Uh, those kids would come up with incredible sounds that they manipulate their way. Uh, and and then, then I'm saying this because I'm also working now with this new generation of jazz kids, which what bothers me about it right now to a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them, is they just try to emulate what was already done.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: When actually the new rappers right now, actually most of them try to come up with something new that's going, going forward. you know. Like So the Twinkie, even so, the, the jazz dudes often right now, not always often, I'm saying, I try to re the burger, and by doing it, it, maybe it sounds more like a Twinkie in a way. <laughs> right. The rappers using a Twinkie right now try to make a burger out of it, and they try to make their burger, you know. Like, yes, guy like Jay-Z, I mean, you listen to the sounds on the back, you say, what the hell is that? I have no mm-hmm. idea what it is. It's Sony contact, native instruments, some software like this. He found a great sound in there. We don't know what it is, but you don't know what it is. But what Jay-Z did, I think, is interesting because he took this, he took his approach to it. You know, it's, it's going forward. As he said, they, they, they switch it around, they're going backward. These people are going forward. Uh, in the jazz You now, there are, of course, musicians right now that, that are moving forward, are, are doing wonderful things. But um, one other element on, on the technical element of the Twinkie versus the native instrument, uh, versus uh, the burger, I would also say that the analog aspect of it had a lot to do with the burger also. Mm. Meaning, first thing, when you were playing in the old days, See, when we did your song, we, we did a lot of uh, tweaking afterwards, but we changed things around. We flew parts around. We, did, we do a lot of experimentation, but we're trying things. You couldn't do that mm. in 1960 when you were making a jazz record. You had a 24-track machine, and you, were, you had to play. You had to play. So, the, so the take was the take. You, there's not something you could do. You could mute things. Right. but You could fly, but you had to be really good to fly those things. <laughs> it's not a machine, and it was very difficult to do. Mm. So the approach was different, and because of that, things were recorded and played a certain way that was more natural which allowed you to somehow hear better you know like a, a drum track would be a real drum track from top to bottom there was no editing a mm. uh, bass, bass. i mean i i've done many records as a bass player i don't remember punching that much you punch a little bit but i always tell the guy can i can i start from the top again mm. i don't punch my bass line i want to play my bass line unless it's you know the last four bars of the song and i screw up then they yeah, punch me at the end but you wanted to play so <laughs> guitar player the same way you know the, the good guys they, w- they wanted because there's another aspect and that was making your music breathe mm. so you could really want the guitar player was you know, right now there's so many effects and tweak we have to uh, to produce music that often it's not recognizable anymore it becomes this 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 texture this sound but we don't know the twinkie the twinkie absolutely right right, right. but but i brought that up because of the hip-hop thing i think right not there's a lot of mediocre rapper but there's there's a tendency with, with the hip hop scene to try to go forwards, mm. to to make something out of the twinkie. That's what I'm saying.
3: Right. Okay.
2: When 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 on the jazz scene, I mean, I, I do a lot of jazz records here. I've done not tremendous amount, but I, I do quite a bit, and it's rarely inspiring what I hear now. Mm. To be honest with you, mm. it's rare you get a group to go in to hear the guys say, "Wow, this is new. I never heard that before. This is who is this guy?"
0: So now, so is is that with uh, uh, with them doing? Standards
2: or, or, or originals
0: or it doesn't matter. What they even do.
2: if they do original, they try always try to emulate somebody else. Mm. Often, why do I say always? That's mean. Often try to emulate somebody else. Mm. You know, and there's always the big pillar Miles or whatever. A trumpet player is going to have to put his mute and sound a certain way. Say why? Mm-hmm. Do, do your thing, but don't try to sound like Miles. Mm. Do your thing. Come mm-hmm. on. I mean, the last generation of guy that was super inspiring, I think, is that generation I was in Berkeley with. Because the Donald Harrison, you know, the right. Brentford Marsalis. Right, right. that was the last generation of guys that really moved the boat. Now there's mm. young people out there that are great, but are they really innovative? Are they really? Uh, did, he, did Did they really move the boat? I don't think so. I think Art Blakey was a genius at that, at creating people that were going to do what he did, which is to basically move forward. Mm. You know, they were all those guys went through Art Blakey at one point or another, mm. and he was kind of let them like grow this way. Like, guys, that's what we're not. That's not what we're going to do tomorrow. You know, so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think those guys went for. I mean, uh, Donald Harrison right now, which is a great guy. I seem like he's doing a lot of New Orleans records. He he does sambas. He does. He try to mix it up, just like Bradford is. Bradford Mm. myself is the same way. These are guys that try to like expand different areas, you know, of music. Mm. But you see those guys that come in here. They they came out of conservatory or Berkeley, and and they can play a million notes a minute, and they just blow. And I'm like, I heard that six hundred fifty (laughs) thousand times. It's amazing, of course. You know, the chops are like, you know, especially mm-hmm. trumpet players. Mm-hmm. Like, Okay. Did you tell a story? What's the name of the guy who just passed away the trumpet player? Oh, Harder. Roy. Roy Hargrove. Yeah. So that's an example of somebody you get, you got to follow. Mm-hmm. There's not 650,000 notes. There's nine notes. Mm-hmm. And each of them means something
3: mm-hmm.
2: super important. Because mm-hmm. he's, he's, he's telling you something. It's always about a story, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And if I'm not move on the other side, forget about ho- what's happening in here. If I'm not moving on the other side of the glass. Nobody else can be moved. Neither. Mm. There's going to be a bunch of people that that. Oh my God, this is great because they heard a lot of notes and they think it's flippy. But at the end of the day, it's not what makes the great records. Mm. Not really.
0: And, and so, even for me, that's one of the things that, like, like you just talked about on the other side of the glass. Mm. You know, listening to music <coughs> and finding your way as a, as a, uh, as a musician that listens to music. Versus a non-musician that listens right. to music because you know obviously music has that emotional impact, right? And uh, for me, you know, I I I'm always happy to hear the things that move me, right? You know, as a musician, right. absolutely. That's because you're not listening to it, you know, from a technical that's standpoint. what you said before too, I'm right? Saying. You just listen to it like, wow, yeah. you know, this is you know, mm-hmm. you know, like for me, one of the, one of the people that I, that I listen to, like you, you know, getting back to jazz and. Art Blakey, uh, uh, Lee Morgan was was a trumpet player, and for me, that's one of the catch that when I hear it, I'm not even hearing anything technical. You know, I'm not listening to, you know, you know how he's working with the drummer or the chords changes or, you know, the melody. I'm I'm just like wow. I'm just feeling the emotion of it. Right. You know, I'm I'm just feeling the total emotion of that sound. You know, so you know that that's something that you just talked about even with the technology ultimately you know what conveys to you as a producer as a musician as an engineer it always goes back to the music you know does the music move you you know on on an on an emotional level so you know once so so we'll talk now about uh you know as a musician Nicola as a musician and as a producer and as an engineer, you know I wanted to get from you: uh, what are some of uh, give Give me a favorite recording of yours, from a a engineering standpoint. From engineering and, and, and standpoint. right, yeah, from an engineering standpoint. And also give me your favorite recording, just just from an aesthetic standpoint. Give give me two two recordings that you really like, be, be it an individual single or an
2: album. You know, it,
0: since, you're, since you're an engineer, from a, from an engineering do you, do you standpoint, give me
2: Have you ever heard Anat Cohen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I did. Uh, uh, she was part of a band called the Chodo Ensemble with uh, Zia Maurizio and a few other people. Choro music is basically a cat smell music. Mm-hmm. It's a it's, uh, it's, um, musician coming from Romania, Bulgaria in 1900 to Brazil. So they but they do that stuff right, but on top of it, it had ko k- 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 to it, and it became choro that 's mm. choro music very uh, very spectacular, very lyrical. Anat Cohen is the queen of choro music right now mm. on the clarinet I mean Paquito River, I call her like the queen of the clarinet, If mm. she is I think nobody plays clarinet like Anat Cohen, so that record we did in this rug right here, no gobbles, five five musicians looking at each other. Uh, was suddenly the best sounding record ever
3: made,
2: mm. but not only because the way it was recorded. It's never because the way it was recorded. It's because the way it was played. Mm. You know, it was it was just everybody was listening. really there was no gobos. I, I try to remember. I, I look, look at picture. I don't think it was headphones either. I think they were all looking at each other here, and I have all the big weapons on them, the big mics. You know, and it was just a tremendous moment. It was three days of magic, absolute magic. So that in terms of uh, there's no production for my island because it's just five musicians playing, there's no overdub, nothing, it's just live, mm. you know. Okay. That was the best. Uh, also uh, Alex Bunyan as promised is a really good sounding record with Victor Bailey, Bradford Marcellis, marsalis Puji Bell Pugib- Pugib- is a drum on the whole record. Mm. Uh, tremendous uh, I had a big pleasure to to work with what's his name. Um, Anthony? Yeah, Anthony Jackson mm-hmm. on that record, which was... Anthony Jackson Jr. I didn't know there was a senior. Is there a senior? Bass player? Mm-hmm. Is, is junior, okay. Or no. okay, he, he might be, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Uh, that was a fantastic uh, bass lesson. And uh, sonically, that's a really good sounding album. Like, mm. crazy good sounding album. But again, Puji Bell and drums. I mean, you got to be an ass to make that sound bad. Anyway, okay. <laughs> so now, so now, once you. do again. a session, let me explain to you. You do a session with Puji, we change the head before the session. Okay. <laughs> At the end of the session, there's a quarter in the middle of each head. Mm. Because he knows this is where the head sounds good. Not here, not here, not here, but here. Mm. You put a click on it. You, one song, did I tell you that already? We mix. We realize we left the click. Mm. You don't hear the click. Mm. Because is so on with I mean he's just he's such a musician so now speaking of the click yeah the click speaking
0: of the click the click the K-L-I-C-K-C-L-I the click once again we're getting to the technology and nowadays uh, a lot of uh, even shows that you go to Mm -hmm. live shows yeah this is a click track sure you know and the band is playing and, and for me that was I mean I've been to some shows and it was a click track and the band was playing and I, for me, I found that very disingenuous. You know, I just wanted to hear the band. I just, I mean, I like, for me, I like that. I guess that that swing or that natural feel mm-hmm. that you get just from the rhythm of the
2: the overall sound. You know, I think so, it depends if you are talking about pop music, I think. Or well, not not or necessarily else, no. pop music. Any kind
0: of music. So, okay. I mean, if you go to a, a to a church. Anywhere you know, anywhere in the United States mm-hmm. in particular that that I know of, yeah. you know, on a Sunday, and and you know they're playing the what they call I guess the the uh, the um devotional music or whatever yeah. mm-hmm. the with with the, with the organist and the sure. band or whatever. Yeah. There's no click track, you know. Even when sometime we, we sometimes uh, there is sometimes there is. Check Davis, well, get you know, drums. Well, I mean, Always I'm just, just saying from my experience. Yeah. From yeah. my experience, if yeah. I go if I go to a a uh, a church of God in Christ, mm-hmm. that that particular denom- denomination. Okay. You know, in in Harlem or the Bronx or New Jersey or Arkansas, or or or, uh, or Compton, I'm going to hear that same sound, right? And that same feel, and uh, it's no click track. Yeah. I mean, good. we even you know we even did cost me a bottle of Jack, no no click track.
2: Great drummer, you didn't right, need
0: to. Right, right, right. So, so once again, so now once again, getting back to, you know, like you said, it goes back to the performance. So so now what do you think about that? Because for me, I like I like that feel. I like that. Oh, definitely. You know, it's I mean, kind of, to me, minus the click track, it's more like a, uh, I guess more like the flow of a stream or a flow of a river. It's still beautiful. It's still beautiful to hear it. You know, it doesn't have to be Depending how how good the musicians are, well, okay, yeah, exactly. that, well, I once mean, again, that goes back to like you gentlemen talked about I mean, earlier. The drummer, I mean, at the you end know, of the day, it goes back to Steve,
2: to the musicianship. right? Steve Gadd, who is one of the, you know best five drummers of all time, certainly, okay, to my opinion.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you, you you can't listen to record and tell me whether he was playing with a track or not. He, he tends to like to play with click tracks, okay. But you can't you won't you won't be able to tell you when and what he doesn't because he breathes with it. He's mm-hmm. playing around it. Okay. He pulls and he, he you know, right, so, right. but it's there, you know, and his click, like, usually is not uh, audio, it's visual, He it has a, a flashlight that comes in front of like Okay, okay. So he plays with it. Right. Just to kind of keep the things in line, but, right. um, no, I think 99% of the time you're right, but when you have a great drummer like Puji Bell mm-hmm. or Steve Gadd or Omar Akeem, Omar always play with the click, guys like this, uh, I don't think you lost any other music because cause those guys are actually being musical with the click. Okay, um. right. But you need good musicians to do that, so that's you know that's a different thing. Mm. Uh, if you have the great musicians, right. yeah, and they're they're not looking to have the click
1: replace their instinct. Mm. Right, they are using the click musically so that they can uh, outperform the click.
2: Mm. Mm. That's a good one. I like okay. that. Yeah, outperform. The I click. mean, because okay. really, any
1: any drummer, I mean, don't be confused. Even before quote unquote the technology. Leap in the eighties, there were decades of drummers playing the click. Of course, mm. but the click didn't show up on the record, mm. and the audience didn't know.
0: So the click was a was a analog metronome. Absolutely. Okay.
1: There was and a
2: machine doing that. Yeah, it basically
1: was a
0: metronome. Right. It was a metronome yeah. analog. And, and
1: metronome. a metronome is a click. Right. Pre technology. Right, right. Right. Same right. thing. Right. It was, Orchestras. It, right. It was it was mechanical yeah, as opposed to electronic. Had quote unquote
2: clicks. Right. Okay. Two orchestras. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. I did a record with the guys that did all their loop manually before they played. Mm-hmm. So two percussion player first, drummer and a percussion player making a loop and they played through that afterward. That was actually very cool. Because you have okay. a natural loop then, you know that. Mm-hmm. But but, so
1: but look at look at look at what that point says. Remember what we talked about in terms of using that loop as a musical element, sure. as opposed to the crutch by which you present the entire tune. Mhm. It was just for those guys who made the loop. They intended to outperform the loop,
3: mm.
1: and the loop was on the final mix. Yeah. So the so the no. loop to them was just a musical element. Sure. Mm. That's it.
3: Mm.
0: Okay, Nicola. So once again, you you uh, told us about your favorite recording from a engineering standpoint. So once again, from just a purely aesthetic standpoint, something that you you would listen to, you know, at home. Or wherever you, you know, when whenever you're relaxing. Something that you would listen to just from a purely aesthetic standpoint. You don't care anything about the, the, the production reason, or yeah. the engineering or anything. Just like, oh, this just sounds good. Give, came, give us came something to you like. I to the United
2: States for one reason. Mm. I am in Fire. That's what brought me to the United States. Mm. Alex said, he said, shut the fuck up, Alex Bignon. Listen <laughs> to this record. Mm whoa.
1: This is, <laughs> this is what we have in common. I was also, Dude. earth, wind and, earth cha- wind and fire changed my life. And okay? then you
2: say something else after said And when mm-hmm. you finish listening to this, by gratitude,
1: <laughs> oh, I mean the, the great one of the greatest albums ever Live. made, mm-hmm. Earth, Wind, and Fire. Live gratitude, gratitude, no, gratitude, gratitude in, particular, in
2: particular, okay. One of the greatest albums ever made. Yeah. So, yeah. now, so Nicola, so any, any is definitely I could listen to that once a week, right? So, uh, Nicola, any mind. particular Earth, Wind, and Fire tune that, that you No, would, it's all different moods, man. It's okay. all different the, moods entire too, yeah, the entire gratitude album, yeah. <laughs> the way that's another thing, the way thank you, albums, mm. there's no single in there, even so, there is mm. uh, Boogie Wonderland, isn't there, right? No, not no not, that's not, not right on right on right Gratitude. What is, what is, uh, Reasons was on Gratitude. Reason, okay, yeah. Uh, sing a song was on Gratitude. Exactly. So there was many singles, yeah. but there was no single. It's not made as singles. The album is made. It's one piece right. of music from top right. to bottom, right. you know, and, and and I would say that's a whole different thing. You don't just put a song. Mm. Now you tend to go on, on Spotify or on right. iTunes and listen right. to a song. Right. This was... And there was two sides, right? It was it was actually a record, so there was two sides of it. There's CDs also. I have a record. So that was also plan a certain way, side A and side B, mm. you know? You put usually the big sauce in the front, and you had the more, like, adventurous music on the back. I mean, it was, you know, it was, it was special, very special.
0: Mm. Okay, so in Fire it's, so it's from an aesthetic standpoint.
2: I think there's never been a band that's more like a band mm. than not in Fire. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think they are the ultimate band of all time. Wow. And Maurice White is a freaking genius. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Talk so about production. Oof.
0: Wow. <laughs> okay, so Mike, from yeah. you, from a from a uh, engineering standpoint uh, you know giving me one of your favorite recordings be it a single or an album you know from an engineering standpoint give me something that that's a favorite of yours where you hear it and you'd be like wow that's that's some great engineering that went on in that recording
1: ha <laughs> uh, comfortably known Pink Floyd poof probably my favorite yep. sonic trip in terms of listening maybe of all time mm. because the Wall album and Comfortably Known in particular was such an epic project and conjured up such big visuals even before the Wall movie came out I had um, anybody who, who loved Pink Floyd and the Wall album in particular mm. you'd already come up with a visual interpretation of what you thought that looked like anyway but comfortably known uh, the the whole the war going on in the background and and the way that the the effects of the time were placed in the, basically the engineering feat of the wall mm. that that's that's my that's my thing
0: mm, okay okay so now from a purely aesthetic standpoint something that you really you one of your favorite recordings just just to listen to and you feel it this you is know, gonna you're sound not really, th- you're not thinking about this is gonna sound really cheesy. You're not cheap. thinking about the production or anything. Mu- really you just it's like, oh, this is uh, this is just this wonderful is gonna, music. This is gonna sound really cheesy,
1: <laughs> but I gotta go with him. And I didn't know we were brothers like this. Mm-hmm. But gratitude, Earth, Wind and Fire mm. Yeah, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's literally what's defining for me as a musician. Mm. Because you the whole, had the whole album. Everything. Because first of all, you had the presentation of the album, the, the white cover. That's right. And, and, and just where Earth, Wind & Fire was as a group mm. at that time, which mm. is arguably, some would say, they were at they were at yeah. their peak mm. at gratitude. Mm. But more than that, the way that, you know, when you, when, back in the old days when you picked w- what songs went where in the order, that's called sequence. But mm. well, the way the album was sequenced at the time mm. was also brilliant. Mm. And then you had essentially, you know, me as a bass player. Verdine, And you had Verdine White <laughs> yeah. literally giving a lifelong clinic mm. in what groove, taste, and pure joy all sounds like at one time. Because because rem- a lot of people don't realize Verdine wasn't necessarily a, a great soloist, but he never tried to be a soloist. Mm. What he tried to do was make the bass worship the music at all times. Mm. And the gift that Verdine was to Earth, Wind, and Fire can't be understated. You know, he, he, you know, I love you, Verdine. I mean, I met him at <laughs> Nam a couple of years ago, and yeah. you know, he looks like Predator basically at this point. <laughs> but, but he still yeah, yeah. is possibly for me mm. one of my biggest influences on bass. Indeed, and, you know, absolutely. And some have some have even said when they hear me play, especially that kind of music, they can hear they can hear the, the inner Verdine in me because mm. I was practicing, I was needle dropping gratitude when I was learning how to
2: play. Mm. One. Verdin is one, plays one, doesn't try to play, one mm. and he plays one, mm. but he plays it in a way that the whole band is like, <laughs> he's yeah, sitting there. Well, yeah, I him, mean, you know. for me, one of
0: one of my favorite uh, A <laughs> 4 Earth, Wind and Fire tunes is "Spirit," mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you know, uh, Phil Be- Philip Bailey sings a a uh, a beautiful falsetto solo. Yeah, yeah, incredible voice. And if you listen to that one of the things that's really wonderful is, is, is you know from I mean and now this is listening to something you know from from uh, being a musician is the bass player he's singing a falsetto in the, in these high frequencies and is, 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 is there's like you said it, you know about Verdeen giving love to the whole band as opposed to playing a solo he's playing the bass and he's playing in harmony with a falsetto mm-hmm you know, and I'm like, oh, wow. You know, that's just, you know, from, you know, just from a musical standpoint, I'm just amazed when I listen to that. Sure. I'm like, wow, how do you do that? You know, how do you play in harmony to a falsetto? You know, how you know from doing? the highest to the lowest, the, the, you know, and it works. He plays it in the perfect spots. You know Verdine.
1: Verdine, of all his talents, what I think I learned from him as a young bass player, which I hopefully, I'm, I'm honoring him to this day as a player, it's not his chops. It's not his. It's not necessarily his approach. It's his joy. Mm. Verdine's joy mm. is singular. Mm. Like you can have a hundred bass players, and I, I challenge any bass player who really studied the music. You got a hundred bass players in a room, mm. including the greatest of all time. But I guarantee you, you and I Nicola mm. could listen to all snippets of all a hundred, and we could pick Verdine out every sure. single. Time, mm. sure. Without fail,
2: mm. even if they were verding f- copiers. But mm. it's, not, it's not fair because we listen to fire so much that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but so he was having fun. He was having fun. I
1: try
2: to emulate his joy. He's the engine of Fire Always been. Okay. He drives the whole band, and his okay. brother is a genius, and he's the engine. Okay, right? that's basically it. Yeah.
0: Okay, so now for me, my my, my uh, favorite recordings uh, from a uh, engineering standpoint. One of my favorite recordings is uh, from Went Marcellus. And uh, it's a recording uh, called... Easy, Nicola, uh, <laughs> easy. <laughs> it's a recording <laughs> called uh, Uptown Ruler. And that's actually part of a trilogy. Uh, you know, it's part of a trilogy. Uh, I think it's uh, Soul Jesters in Southern Blue. And uh, that particular recording for me... Uh, from an engineering standpoint, when I listen to that, it's perfect. You can hear everybody. Nobody's, uh, no, you know, the bass player, the the trumpet player is not ahead of everybody. You know, I mean, you can listen to some recordings and you can hear, and you listen and you say, man, you know, does the bass player like? Do you owe the engineers some money? You know, I can't hear him. You know, was it the, the trumpet player? Did, was it was he messing around with it? He messing around with the engineer's old lady or something like? That? You Let know, somebody's left out, you know, the engine, you know, but from an engineering standpoint, and I think the engineer was Tim Geelan on that recording. Mm-hmm. But when I listen to that recording, all of the tunes on there from top to bottom, you know, it's, it's so balanced in terms of, of the musicians, uh, the solos or, or either the uh, ensemble play. Mm-hmm. For me, that recording is just a perfect recording, you know, from an engineering standpoint. And for me, from a just a <clears throat> just a uh, purely aesthetic standpoint, is a song called uh, "Journey to the Light" uh, by a group called. Uh,
1: um, no, no, it's a group <laughs> called Brainstorm. Oh yeah, I remember
0: Brainstorm. Okay, and it's and it's a tune called "Journey to the Light." Mm-hmm. And I that particular no tune, for me, I can listen to that and, and sure just just like forget about. Timing, the musician—it yeah, just—it just rolls over me. You know that tune just rolls over me. So you know,
1: have it, you talking about it now that now that we're talking about this? Hmm. It kind of now it kind of opens the door because now, now I just had this this flash memory of another tune that's like what you're talking about besides what we have talked about Earthling Fire. Okay. It was um, believe it or not, and I don't know why this was the case, but at the time.
0: This concludes part one of our episode where we discussed the change in uh, technology from tape to digital and music at the One Bottle at a Time podcast. Please join us for part two in our discussion with Mr. Mike Griot and Mr. Nicola Stimmer. Thank you.